The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show, to Culture Insanity, our podcast. This is episode number 12, we think. Pretty sure. Episode number 12. Um, yeah, welcome back. Another week, another Saturday. Um, what's on our docket for discussion today is a few things, but like always, we uh, we get to what we can get to, and um, we don't which we don't. <laughs> so what's... Our show notes actually say it's episode 311. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So, episode 311. Season 3, episode 11. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so we've got a few things on our dock today. Are you there, Pastor Monty? Can you hear us? I am here. Okay, Beautiful. cool. Uh, so we have Jeff Goldblum, the wonderful Jeff Goldblum. The one and only. Has made his way into the headlines. Must which, go faster. Stra- strangely enough, we just watched Jurassic Park, I guess it was last Saturday. It was last weekend, yeah. Yeah, last Saturday. And then he, uh, finds himself in the headlines, but he's sort of had a resurgence anyways. He has that Disney show yeah. where he travels the world and stuff. Well, and he's the spokesman <clears throat> for, like, what, Rent.com or something like that. Rocket Mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Hawks, uh... Apartments. Apartments. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, and he's also going to be in, I think, Jurassic World three. And he's just Jeff Goldblum. Yep. He's a he's he's kind of like uh, Sam Jackson in the way that he's transcended his character to be just himself in the movies. I suppose I think that Nicolas Cage is more the, you know, if if you can call it this, the white Sam Jackson. <laughs> How he sort of shed his. His actorness and is just people. Become... Yes, people get Jeff Goldblum for his Jeff Goldblumness. Yeah, yeah. He exists in the same realm as, say, Christopher Walken. Hmm. It's like okay. you want that. Sort yeah, of... no, I, I agree, Josh. I would think that's that's closer. Yeah, you you want that sort of that timbre to his voice, <laughs> that rhythm, his way of, you know. You you know what you're getting when you go see a Sam Jackson movie. You're not going to see his character. You're just you're going to see Sam Jackson. <laughs> you're going to see Nicolas Cage. You're going to see Jeff Goldblum, perhaps. But, anyways, we've already digressed. Anyways, he's found himself in the headlines. Another thing we're talking about today is uh, just Netflix binging during this particular time, um, which is not. I mean, Netflix binging has been a thing for years now, uh, but there's an interesting article about it that you know. <clears throat> implies certain things or maybe we want to look out for. So we're going to be talking about that. And then praying. For some reason... Celebrity praying. Celebrity praying. Praying has come up more than once in the news in the last week and from a couple different polar opposite spheres of influence, which is funny. Uh, DMX <laughs> being one of them, the rapper or former rapper. I don't even know if he's like active anymore. <laughs> Um, he doesn't rap anywhere. I, I don't. I guess I don't follow his music career, but I certainly haven't heard of oh, anything. Oh, Pastor Monty's getting a phone call. I think or a message or a message. Yeah, and the maybe. other the other person's person is uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. 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 She was yes, a... the wife of David Hasselhoff. No, 
<laughs> no, she's like she's married to like a football player or something, right? Maybe something she used to like be that. a host on The View. Yeah, I think it was The View. And then Megan McCain, who has come out and sort of uh, slammed her rhetoric of the use of praying during this particular time. So interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So those are the things we're going to be talking about. So without further ado, we hope you're with us. If you're joining us on Facebook or or YouTube or whatever, um, thanks for being here, and thanks for being here in the future for those of you that will listen in the future. So first up, Jeff Goldblum. So Jeff Goldblum is a was a guest host. <clears throat> I think he's a guest host. I don't think he's a, a permanent fixture on this. I don't even know the name of the show. It's like a drag racing show, RuPaul's like drag no, drag. not drag racing. <laughs> not drag right? racing. Yeah, sorry, really? sorry, sorry. <laughs> drag, drag queen. queen. Drag yes, queen. Drag so queen. Drag racing. Uh, yeah, okay. it's Ru. I think it's just called RuPaul's. I think it is called RuPaul's Drag Race, though, because it, it's like it a might competition be. show. Yeah, I it think might that's be. Why I, that might be true. I, I said that. I knew I wasn't crazy. Uh, oh, he's so, hosting it. He's like a no. It's, it's one of those shows where there's like a panel of yes. uh, judges type it's, thing. Drag. No, 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 not in drag. In his, he's he's, he's just Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> right? He's he's hosting, yes, because he's Jeff Goldblum, right? He's hosting because he's uh like super sty- stylish. Mm. That's his metrosexual, you might call him. Yeah, although that's like a that term is like outdated, but yes. Okay, yeah, he's he's hip with the style and the culture and the thick rimmed glasses and the the beards. He's he's <laughs> he's hetero fabulous. Yeah, hetero, <laughs> just like you. <laughs> Just like you, Pastor Monty. Sun's out, guns out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, anyways, <Absolutely>. wow. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, he's a he's a guest host or a guest judge on this show, which is this competition show for drag queens. And Joseph Jesse suggests that we have a crossover with RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? We invite it. If you want to, talk, if you want to talk to us about culture from a Christian perspective, somehow RuPaul, if you're watching this, we'd be more than willing to have that conversation. Yeah. Anyways, so there was a contestant on this particular drag queen show that dressed up in like a like a hijab. I think the I think the contestant is is Middle Eastern, but anyways, he was dressed up in a like a hijab and like you know um, like Muslim attire, if you will. Uh, and then Ru not RuPaul Jeff Goldblum made comments like after the contestant like you know was talking and stuff and was asking the question about what that culture or that religion, Islam, um, believes about women and 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 uh, homosexuality and the whole LGBTQ thing. So he asked a question, basically. Um, here, I'll put it in his own words so I don't misquote him. Uh, he says, is there something in that religion that is anti-homosexuality and anti-woman? Does that complicate the issue? I'm just raising it and thinking out loud, and, and maybe I'm being stupid. But <clears throat> he was asking the question of, like, this person's background with, with and then trying to reconcile, like, their lifestyle, I guess you'd call it, um, and involvement in the show or whatever. And by asking that question... Um, for clarity in terms of what Muslims believe or the culture allows. Um, he was publicly, you know, on, on the different social medias and such, he was sort of slammed and uh, people got super offended that he asked the question and stuff. 
We got um, we got to listen to it. We got to listen. Yeah, to there's Jeff a Goldblum. there's a video in the in the article. Uh, can you, you want to play it? Yeah, because sure. anything Jeff Goldblum says, you have to hear it in his own words. Yeah, here's a, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, I'll play it. So here we go. This was uh this was the audio from that from that show, RuPaul's Drag Queen. Are you Drag religious? Race. May I ask? I'm not, and to be honest, this outfit really represents the importance that visibility for people of religious minorities need to have in this country isn't this an interesting wrinkle though is there something in that religion that is anti uh, homosexuality and anti a woman does that complicate the issue i'm just raising it no, thinking out loud and maybe being stupid but no no what i do you think, think i think you know drag has always shaken the tree so to speak. And there are so many different layers to this presentation. And if it was ever going to be done, this is the stage to do it. It's a complex issue. I have my own misgivings about the way that LGBT people are treated in the Middle East. And at the same time, I am one. So there you go. I like when he goes, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> that's that's a gold bloom is a wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, because he asked that, and the face, the face on the contestant and on RuPaul was sort of like, just like straight face. They weren't like amused or something. But um, so he asked the question, and he was, you know, got a lot of backlash for it and stuff. First of all, um, I guess unpack the the actual beliefs in that culture and in that religion. Was he dumb for asking the question? I mean, I th I think if you're gonna look at, I don't think it's necessary to unpack the beliefs in in that, um, really in any religion when you're in America on TV, you know, you know what I mean? Like in America, we are free to discuss those things, mm -hmm. and so, and I don't think he was being ignorant, um, or anything like that. I think that people are being sensitive. Mm. You know, well, we're 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 kind of free to discuss those things. See, that's because the, the underlying issue is that he openly asked a question, maybe out of drink, but he openly asked a question and he was shamed for it. So right, I mean technically free. that question. Sure, I mean technically free, not socially free. Yeah, yeah, under the Constitution. Yes, we have the right to free speech. As long as we're not inciting, you know, action that is against whatever, that's violent. Um, but that being said, uh, I I don't really, I, to me, this is a non-issue. So I have a main question then, um, as it pertains to us. Um, and we're not Muslim, obviously. But, so my question is, uh, as Christians, or what can we learn from the outrage and offended response that this question sort of received? And as believers, are we guilty, we as a whole, not, you know, us three here, but are we guilty of having the same types of emotional response if somebody gets something wrong, uh, if somebody misunderstands or misinterprets or has a question about our faith? Do we react in the same way? Um, if What's your guys' experience been in that as far as the the church at large? Like, are, are Christians guilty of the same sort of thing when someone asks, well, what about this as far as your faith goes? Like, doesn't it say this? Like, do we react in the same sort of way, do you think? Again, not well, me as in us in, three, but... In, in our current culture, the majority of Christians today 
are made up of Generation X, Millennials, Generation Y, and they're all a bunch of snowflakes. <laughs> yes. So you're saying, yes, we we react in the same way? Christians react in the same way? Because they get offended just as someone well, else gets in offended? Well, in, in a general sense, yes, that's true, they do. Number one, because they're ignorant of what... Of, what they believe themselves, yeah. and they're ignorant of what other uh, religions actually believe in relation to whom they serve, who they claim they serve. It, I, I would go the opposite direction. I would say, no, in general, Christianity has been welcoming of, um, of the invitation, uh, welcoming and even exploitive exploitative of of the invitation to discuss the belief really you think like the average yeah. person like how how would the how would the average person react then if say you're having a conversation with someone and then they said well what well doesn't your god or doesn't the bible say this like so i think i think the average person would say i don't know yeah I, I don't to think his point yeah i i don't think the average person would say how dare you ask mm-hmm. me that mm. <laughs> yeah, just immediately go to yeah. offended and, and that's hurt. that's that's the thing. I don't think the average Christian would say, "How dare you?" And for the record, well, is one I, better than the other? <laughs> I don't think that the average American would say, "How dare you?" Either. I think that you have a vocal minority. Mm, another one of those situations. Yeah, that you have a vocal minority that likes to. Well, I don't know. It is changing. Um, wow, what is what's going off over there? It's me. I'm oh, it's you. My brother's blowing up my phone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, because he's watching the show, or I doubt it. I don't know. I haven't looked. Anyways, you should, you should call him and tell him, dude. I'm on. I'm on a show right now. <laughs> um, and then ask him what he thinks. So, Jeremy, what do you think about RuPaul's Drag Race and Jeff he'd, Goldblum? He'd probably say snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh. But I – no, I think the average person is welcoming of it. I do think that things have changed a lot in in society, and I think the next generation will probably have that problem about any and everything. I don't think that it's necessarily um, connected to religion, though. And, yeah, that's my thought on it. Um, but you said uh, you said that they would respond, I don't know. Yeah, I think like most when, people when would challenged that, yeah. or whatever, but is that somehow better? Uh, it's better than saying that you know something that you don't. And being yeah, being offended true. at something that you I, don't know. I think Jeff Goldblum was asking a question out of ignorance. That is that he truly was curious because here you have a a cultural phenomena taking place. Meaning drag, drag, drag? Right, the whole drag thing. And this person that he's uh, talking to uh, is um, definitely out of step with the culture uh, in which he represents. So he's representing him as he's in in drag. So, yeah, and I think that that's an appropriate question for him to ask. But it's fascinating that the uh, the you know the audience uh, basically shamed him because he asked that. That's that's ridiculous. 
I don't think. I mean, I, I yes, I agree with that premise. I don't think it's fascinating that that audience shamed him, though. It's that no, audience. No, that's where we're at. Yeah, it's that audience, and and I don't mean that to say it's the LGBTQ community. I don't know who watches that show. I just know that when people watch shows like that, um, they are they're you know they're looking for extremes. That's that's the whole point of those shows is to mm, put people on display. Yeah. So it's I not. I find those kind of programs educational. Oh yeah, you watch them. Yeah, you never you never know what you're gonna you know you have to keep up on culture. And uh, wait, wait are you, you saying... watch them? <laughs> are you what's saying you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? What's what's appropriate for you know if I'm gonna go out and drag? Yeah. Okay. I so yes. we, we still don't know if you it's... watch the Drag Race. <laughs> it's... It would be difficult for me to try to imitate drag because I have yet to see anybody dressed in drag that has a full beard. Plus, ro- unless I was unless I was doing like the circus bearded lady type thing or something. Well, I was, that is an interesting point. It's not, it's really, it's not really a point. It's not really a point worth discussing. <laughs> it's, hard but... find, it's hard for me to find lipstick that matches the. The color of my beard correctly. Um, I don't know that that's what anybody who wears lipstick does. Uh, <laughs> that being said, I, that is ironic okay. that you know there are women <clears throat> who have uh, hormonal imbalances, you know, that can produce pretty pretty prolific beards. Um, you know, and it's 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 pretty interesting that those people aren't aren't celebra- aren't celebrated by the drag community. I'm There's a there there is a maybe uh, they are. I just don't know of it. There is a program on cable right now that not the one you're talking about, but there's another program on cable which is basically lifting up the whole, uh, you know, uh, drag fabulous type of thing. Oh, there's so all it, sorts of programs doing that. There's all sorts of programs doing that. I think it, I personally think it's a non-issue. Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum, and <laughs> he will weather that storm. And even the way that he asked it, even the way that he, he was asked like self-effacing. It, yeah, he's maybe just I'm like, being oh, stupid. No. Maybe or, you know, or, 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 like, you tell me. Like, well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> here's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the response, I mean, I'm sure that they're gonna say that um, the drag queen was like taken aback by it or whatever, and that's why they didn't um, immediately like respond negatively. But it's you know these shows they go this it's not a live show like what we're doing. It's it goes into post production. Mm-hmm. They yeah. no, but nobody thought. Oh, that's terrible, and I don't think anybody wants to uh... somehow dox him. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that that's you know. Let's get Jeff Goldblum so and trap him, and then he's gonna say something, and then we can end him. Yeah, <laughs> like there was some sort of nefarious plan against Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay, so moving on. <clears throat> so there's an article in USA Today um, about binge watching. Oh, let me just say about that. About that, Jeff Goldblum or Yeah, about Jeff Goldblum. Okay. That does speak to the fact that they eat their own. And when I am talking about they, I mean like that – I don't mean the LGBTQ plus community. I mean like in general, like any, any sort of – any community that is built upon um, non-transcendent value – you know, it, it, it eats its own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nobody is safe, even Jeff Goldblum. And that should tell you something. 
I fully, I fully expect that one day, one day, once this show gets its, you know, thousand listeners or whatever, they're going to go back and they're going to, um, persecute Pastor Monty for not matching his lipstick to his hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I, let me just add to what you're saying, Josh, that yes, they all do, uh, fall in on themselves, but at least in the drag community, they, they look fabulous doing it. Okay. Well, and I think that <laughs> always helpful. And I think that, um, the, I think that that's, tr- like I said, that's anything that's non-transcendent. And I mean that even all the way into, you know, quote unquote, Christian organizations, yeah. you know, that, that have lost their way. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's human nature. We eat our own. So, don't think that you're don't think that you are above that sort of social law mm-hmm. just because your name is Jeff Goldblum and you speak funny and are a national treasure. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's a national treasure. Come on. If anyone's a national treasure, Jeff Goldblum he, is. I don't know if he's reached that state. Sam oh, Jackson, he's... I think, is a national treasure. Sam Jackson's Jeff a national Goldblum treasure. Jeff Goldblum has a cult following, I feel like. No, he's come on, he's got a Disney show. He's a national treasure. I just realized we didn't open with asking if people just you start talking about Disney reminded of our watch parties. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, maybe we can talk about our watch party if we have time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's an article. Maybe Josh can post it. It's in our Google Chats, Josh, uh, on the importance of binge watching now more than ever. And it's an interesting article. Um, basically, the long and short of it, and I'll, I'll read a little excerpt and take some snippets out here and there, but... <clears throat> Basically saying that binge watching is important now more than ever because of how it can and how we should look to it to help like our mental state during a time of isolation and a time of basically worry and concern and anxiety and and whatnot. And so that's obviously a, a red flag right away for for us. But so I'll read. I'll I'll try to pull out the 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 good snippets from here. I'll read the first couple of uh, paragraphs from the article. It says, Just a few months ago, screen time was a source of concern. Now that the pandemic has forced many into social isolation, it's a lifeline. For those of us who have the luxury of staying home, screens are now our only bridge to one another. Instead of condemning the screen outright, we now distinguish between good screen time, which stimulates, comforts, and connects us, uh, and bad screen time, in which we stay up late making ourselves miserable and anxious. The same is true for binge-watching. People mean a lot of different things by the term. Some soothe themselves to sleep listening to other people's bedtime routines or comforting kitchen sounds on YouTube. And that's a thing. What's it called again? Producer Jasmine, when people watch people cook, it's called... Uh, Ah, someone just said it the other day. It's got a really funny term or a funny name to Some it. Some sort of combination between culinary and voyeur. Yeah, it's 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 got a funny word. Voyeur colonism. I don't know. Uh, others make a ritual of watching two or three episodes of a sitcom each night with their partner. And of course, many of the rest of us blew through all of Tiger King in one sitting. And then they go on to list a bunch of different ways of how binge watching. I'm proud to say I still haven't seen Tiger King at all. Uh, yeah, a bunch of different ways of how binge watching is nourishing for us, um, and it set, talks about doing th- like doing it, like premeditating your binge watching, like planning. Okay, tonight I'm gonna do six hours. <laughs> That's maybe extreme, or maybe not for some people. Um, extreme for me. Uh, 
and how like don't watch certain things that will increase your level of anxiety. Experiment with your inputs in terms of how it affects your your mood and behavior. So maybe an action thriller makes you feel this way, or maybe a you know a so on and so forth. A romantic movie, you know, like experiment and how it um, it affects your your mental state, and it's like. Uh, it's saying that that's a good thing to do right now. Um, of course, it says make it social. Don't use it to put off bedtime. I think that's an important one um, because especially right now, like sleep is a good way to like boost your immune system and a lack of sleep is not good for your immune system if you're worried about this virus um, and so on and so forth. But the long and short of it is uh, this particular writer in USA Today whose name I don't know. It's Ree Pierce, R-I space pierce i don't know um basically yeah basically saying that um binge watching is something we should be doing to cope with the times like on a on an emotional and mental uh level perhaps a spiritual level i don't know my question oh first of all i guess what are your guys' initial thoughts on that and then I'll and then I'll ask a, a more pointed question. Well, so before we get to our thoughts, uh, Lucy Brown had a had a leftover thought. I just wanted to on make Jeff sure. Goldblum. Yeah, just <laughs> want to make sure it gets out there. We can't get off Jeff Goldblum. Christian who gets Christians who gets who get offended by other thoughts and beliefs, I think, are not sure of what they believe. There will always be an offense given or being taken. Censorship should not be present in education unless it bothers the conscience. Um, which she then puts in um, marks as sin. And I did post the article. So back to what we're saying. And I pretty much agree with what Lucy's saying, Um, at least off the top of my head. If I gave it thought, I'm not – I think I agree. Um, So binge watching, watching, right, binge watching. Yeah, that's dumb. Like, like Somebody the notion of what's being suggested is up. Binge yeah. watching itself is not dumb. It's actually kind of fun sometimes. Watch, I don't watch four or five episodes. Or something. Too much, too much thought going into that. Do I premeditatively watch something to make me depressed, or watch something that's going to make me happy, or that's too much thought. Personally, I like to binge watch uh, uh, Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Okay. Um, yes, I, I, I don't think that it's too much thought. I think it, I think it needs more thought and it needs more fields of thought Mm. brought into it. Like, what does it do to affect you? Like, what does it do, um, like health wise, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. I think the, the person is trying to say that the benefits far outweigh the negatives, but the, I think the implication that's sort of being surreptuously put in there is that where you get your peace mm-hmm. is from something that – like basically this is your only option. Hey, During what, this particular like During time. this time, this yeah. is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, have you ever heard of a book? Or several within one. Have you ever heard of a phone call? Have you ever heard of uh, Actually, doing, doing puzzles? and? one of the things that the author, to their credit, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, the author does to their credit, one of their points is the binge-watching has has revived the the once popular phone call because not everyone can do the watch party thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, like, you know, like back in the day, not in my day, but you would, like, the call... The party s- calls. You would call someone and you would be watching it at the same time and talking about it. Like the, like the Regal 
the Regal commercial. I remember right, the, right, 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 right. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, the party call line. I just think I think it's ridiculous to think that your only option then is to watch TV. You people, <laughs> how are you going? How would you survive if an EMP hit? Ooh. You know, if they're if an electromagnetic pulse hit. You know that there's more, like, people were not miserable in the past before we had television and before we had internet. And I say this, like, I say this as one who has eight screens in my office. It's true. And (laughs) for Josh to be saying this, you should take it for what it is. Yeah. The man is no stranger to technology. I am no stranger. He's a fanboy of technology. He's always looking at the latest. And newest. I am no stranger to the concept and of streaming. I try to keep up on everything. Very much indulges technology. I, I, you know, I, I'm a full and early adapter of <laughs> of of technology, and that includes all the streaming services, which we pretty much have in 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 our Haven ministry. We have access to all of them. But I'm telling you, those things are meant to be tools for your life. Yeah. And at the point where you're using them to disassociate. And that's, that's exactly what's that's being... a that's a big term for you out there. Well that's and this is sort of a segue into like kind of what we were watching the other night too. Sure. Like, because the author is suggesting that you do it with like a and this is my question too, do it with a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. You go to sleep because you you want to, you like the soothing whatevers. And, you know, they, they, they talk about innocent things like the kitchen, the kitchen's clanking and, and that kind of crap. But like people go to sleep and I used to do this when I was like a teenager too. Like I would go to sleep just with something in the background, um, for whatever reason, because it was soothing, but there's, there's still like inputs going on in the unconscious mind, yeah. you know, like, uh, and so yeah, I think it's dangerous. But my question is, like, what are the dangers of this hyper binging when we're encouraged to consume, 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 both with our mind on and with our mind off? Because that's what the author is suggesting you do. Like, experiment with it behaviorally, which is kind of worrying. Uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, do it do it just to turn off and, like you said, disassociate and stuff. Well, that's the term. That's the term that people need to understand, I think, is... It um, is euphemized in this article, right? They're they're using they're doing a whole article on on disassociation through technology. Yeah, disassociation is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You need socialization. You need uh, critical thinking mm-hmm. in order for your life to be of value, let alone just to function as a human being. You don't, you know, it's it's. Y- it, you could you could easily take what he's saying and put drugs in its place. Yeah, you know, experiment with health. Plan the way that you do your drugs. Yeah, plan the do way it that... socially. Yeah, uh, do it do it to see how it affects you positively and negatively, so you know which which of those drugs you like and which you don't like. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely dumb, and I say it that way. Um, yeah, no, it's absolutely dumb. That's not how we're supposed to function. We are supposed to be critical, but we're supposed to be we're we we are supposed to be critical in how we're planning our entertainment, but we're supposed to keep our minds on. Yeah. And consumption for the sake of consumption, do you know what that does? Consumption for the sake of consumption makes people fat. That's what it does. And the weight literally of the fatness of the person slowly begins to kill them. That's what it does. So if you want your mind to rot, then go ahead. Consume for the sake of consumption. 
just to make yourself feel better. You could say this about food too, you know? Experiment with this, try doing this, be social this way. Just consume and consume and consume because it makes you feel better. And this is a time where it's okay to do that because it makes you feel better. This person's an idiot. And I think that they're trying to I think that they're trying to get people to be idiots with them. Um, yeah, and then it's it's yeah. It's, I find it's, it offensive. It's, yeah, it's under the guise of like they're doing like it's a positive article or something. <laughs> like here's right. here's how I can help you during this time, and they're gonna write an article about doing drugs, like you like you say. Um, what are your thoughts? So at, at what point, Josh, are you gonna tell us how you really feel? <laughs> I always say how well, I really feel. Well, how do you feel? What do you think? <laughs> you're saying you initially started with there's that's too much thought into this article but what what are what are your thoughts well that is too much thought you know though first of all i i i'm in i'm in agreement with josh i mean the whole idea of uh well you know the the whole binge watching thing is not is not new right it's just taken to a new height because of the uh availability you know, trapped in their homes yeah yeah but you know uh, fix something, read a book, uh, you know, do a puzzle, um, talk to your spouse or to your children. There's all kinds of things you can do. Even better, write a book. And just vegetating. And and if you do watch, you know, uh, television or take in some type of, of media, then do it with purpose and design. Yes. I, I will say this, though. You know, one of the reasons back in the day, men, it's been a while, but... But back in the day when we discovered uh, that my wife had cancer, what we used to have, and Joshua will remember this, we used to keep our television uh, in, the, in the television room. Sure. There was never a television in the living room. Yes. Because if people came and visit us, uh, we give them our full attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my wife got her cancer, one of the things that we, we discovered uh, through some research is that it was beneficial for her to be able to watch programs that made her laugh. So we would watch uh, I Love Lucy and and uh, you know programs that because the the uh, she got cancer in the 1950s. No, she didn't. She come on, Josh, I'm... be serious. So my point is, is that, don't make you know, a joke about cancer, Josh. There, oh there my bad. Are, my mom has cancer, so there are certain programs that you can watch that are beneficial because they make you laugh and what happens. I don't, I don't think we're the, knocking that necessarily, um, and I don't think you're suggesting this. But the problem is that this person is saying that this is the source that you should go to for these, you know, emotional. Um, support and you know whatever no problem with uh, well, listening to music that makes that. you feel good or or whatever sure um watching something that makes you laugh after watching something that's like uh like scary or intense i like to watch cartoons because it's more lighthearted, and i don't like to go to bed on a the disturbing thing or the office because it's so dumb the, <laughs> yeah. well i just i think it's so clever well, the I office can't. is a palate cleanser for me but I can't watch cartoons yeah, nowadays. Yeah. To the person that says the, the person that says we're being too, too uh, ridiculous or too, um, you know, because I there probably there's a lot of people that would say that we're being too whatever too over the top too over the top. Yeah, like we're not saying 
don't watch things or don't watch things to elicit a a certain feeling especially if like you're going through something particularly sad or or intense or or whatever but there the suggestion in the article is very much like you need this now more than ever this is what you should do and so that's what's the the cause well and it goes into and do it with the unconscious mind as much as with the conscious mind and that's a red flag the idea of consumption for consumption is really a call to idolatry yeah it's really what it is. You know, you you give your everything to this, you turn off to it and you just sort of allow it to overtake you and let it be what you do because, you know, there's nothing else that you could possibly do in your <laughs> life during this time, which I got to tell you is a load of malarkey. Yeah, you heard me say it. Yeah, malarkey. Um the like I, I have been more busy. I was busy before this time. I've been more busy <laughs> during this time than ever. Yeah, feel that. That there's what we call bovine excrement right there. Is that what I was cutting you off for you to say? <laughs> bovine excrement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think disassociation for the sake of disassociation is absolutely a problem. And I do – I worry about it, if I'm being honest. I do worry that society – during this time in particular um, is so bent on um, it's so bent on entertaining itself and it's so cut off from its methods of entertainment. Um, and actually entertainment might not even be the right term, but from, from soothing itself, right? It's so cut off from its normal methods of soothing itself that it um, will, that and and then and all it has is all it has is this medium that it's going to uh cause an over dependency mm. um that we're really going to get a polarized society where people are over dependent like if you ever like you ever seen Wally like this is what Wally I was, earlier I was thinking like idiocracy which is the same idiocracy, thing idiocracy totally like, great we're, movie we're like just dumb we're dumb, like on right. our couches, and you know we don't leave our chairs and our toilets in our chair, and yeah. you know we're fat and just ugly, just yeah, ugly yeah. and ugly as people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this I I do worry about that, and I worry about you know tele um, tele education, like mm-hmm. sitting kids in front of screens and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. People should be out and accomplishing things. People should be. Um, trying things, not just reading books, writing books, you know, making art, um, interacting with their neighbors. Like that's the sort of thing that people should be doing now. I get, mm-hmm. I get like now finding ways to be productive instead yeah. of being well, defeated. And then now learning, we're going to turn to this learning about who you are, yeah. like what you can do, what you can do with your mind and your body. I don't disagree that now's a great time to catch up on things. I wish that I could partake in that because I don't have the time to. <laughs> but what I will say is it reminds me of the show that producer Jasmine and I were watching called Evil on CBS. So if you get a chance, if you have uh, CBS All Access, uh, I think that's the only place you can find it. But if you if you have CBS All Access, they have like 30-day 30, 30 free type stuff. Mm-hmm. Then watch everything about Star Trek that you can. But wow. once you're done with that <laughs> – then 
then Josh, you're telling us to binge, and then <laughs> uh, what are we? Uh? And then uh, once you're done with that, then you should check out the show called Evil. It stars Michael, the the guy from um, um, not Michael oh, Sheen. No, Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so it's it's the guy who Coulter. plays. Coulter, yeah, Mike Coulter. So um, it's the guy who plays Luke Cage. But anyway, it's this idea that evil is – so the, the, the premise of the show, which I believe for the record, the premise of the show is that evil has been waiting for technology to catch up to, uh, to its intent. So now that technology has been being uh, worked in all of these various areas and technology is sort of full – Evil is now, and it was evil was investing basically in the history of technology all the way till now. Um, evil is now sort of uh, polarizing itself to be able to do stuff, and there's and there's all these things that kind of work together. But one of the things that's just really creepy is this um, song, this song that is put onto YouTube that um, indoctrinates people. And this song is has been uh, it turns into a meme, and then it's been put into like behind the scenes type stuff. Like it's been used as like background music and in all sorts of like uh, web broadcasts and uh, children's stuff. And it is like actually like a satanic incantation or whatever. Hmm. It's real. It's really really interesting, and it kind of reminds me of this. Hmm. And it that that kind of goes back to. Um, what we watched on uh, during our watch party too, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know who's listening right now, but pa- Pastor, did you watch that thing on your own time by any chance? The Out of Shadows documentary. I did not. I'm familiar with what it's supposed to be about, um, but I did not have an opportunity to see it. You should check it out. It's on YouTube. I think it's just on. Yeah, it's on YouTube because I think that's what we pulled it from when we did our thing last. No, time. I think uh, it was Facebook. Out- but it, I think it pulls from you. Oh, really? I think that's how. It oh, did. that'd be cool. I think. Yeah, it's an interesting documentary. And I mean, the long and short, the point at the end is we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be. Uh, blindly. Yeah, blindly accepting. consuming these things. And we should be thinking with a critical mind and uh, of what's being presented and stuff. Um, I think you'd like it. There's some ridiculousness in it, but. Okay, the greatest. That's, that's, that's ahead of the curve. I was, I was preaching about that stuff 30 years ago. Yeah, it's just it's interesting because it's taken from it's taken from uh, the guy that does it. He was like, or there's multiple guys speaking into it that have been like intimately involved in Hollywood for 20 or 30 years um, on big and small projects alike, and and they're they're seeing behind the curtain in terms of potential involvement from higher sources and stuff which is concerning and people in control of what the mass public is consuming and being indoctrinated with and and all these different things so it's it's right up your alley in terms of what you say you've been preaching about 30 years ago but it's just interesting to to see it and hear it from someone within the industry saying the same things there's some ridiculous things in it. Oh my gosh! Josh was about to say. Something. Oh my gosh! Really? Yes, there's so there's this ridiculous line of thought. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff I agree with, and I agree. Part of where this part of where this show starts is is um, in a lot of ways it births from Pastor Monty teaching me at a very young age to be very critical with what I consume um, in terms of media, and 
so, you know, that's one of the things that I, that I taught also. And that's one of the things that our church is like really heavy on is not to prohibit, but to direct, um, when it comes to consumption of those things and to really keep a critical mind on, but man, wow. Okay. So let me tell you one of the, let me tell you one of the strings of thoughts that really made me chuckle. So here's what it is. Okay. So. Did you know that this is from the Out of Shadows right, documentary? In case you're right, not right. tracking, I'm going to try to do this justice. This is from Out of Shadows. This is not what I believe, but here we go. Did you know that the holly tree was used in druid rituals um, in order to in order to create prophetic um, visions and to channel evil spirits and and so on and so forth? Right. So it is of interest that people named that area. Hollywood, because it is it is a place where um, the holly tree is, you know, it's it's basically yeah, it's it's that it was used to influence people. is used to influence Druid people rituals. in yeah. Druid rituals. Right. Right. So they named it Hollywood. But here's the thing. How do they influence people in Hollywood? They um, they they use television. Right. And television sounds a lot like tell a vision. And when they tell a vision to people, how do they do that? Well, they put it on TV stations where you watch channels, like how you channel in (laughs) Druid rituals. And when they do that and they use the channels, well, they call that programming, where they are now programming people with the (laughs) visions that they're channeling using the (laughs) Druid rituals of holly, uh, holly trees. And I'm just like, that is so asinine <laughs> that is absolutely I know. I was, ridiculous i was worried that the the filmmaker of this documentary that it was at that point that he lost people because he just went down this went down this rabbit hole of it really is conspiracy that that's, theory it's like the, it's it just gives me it makes my heart smile <laughs> In the way that, you know, like, how does the zebra get its stripes sort of way? You know, like when a kid says, oh, the zebra got its stripes because it stood behind a, you know, stood, it went to jail. And (laughs) I don't know. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Although I do believe that there's lots of conspiracies going on in, in any, in any institution where there's power. Yeah. And that includes Hollywood. That's just man being man right there. (laughs) But come on. We, I mean, you can well, take. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, you're you're in heaven these days. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. There's all, there's all kinds of stuff out there well, that the, you could, you know, sidetracked on. Fake the advent of fake news really pro, pro, uh, propelled that into the next stratosphere, because if the news oh, isn't yeah. real and we can't trust where we're getting from, then. You can't trust anything, and then you write your own stories. Hey, there's this great scene in that movie. I think it's in the opening where they show all these news broadcasters who are saying the same thing. Mm. And they, they say uh, something like yes. my wife. My wife was disturbed by that, by the way. Yeah, I love that scene. I think it's great editing. He said um, the, the, the line is, this is bad for our democracy, democracy or something. Right, it's right. It's got like – it's one of those things where like – in a thumbnail, like all the different news channels are like, it's like bad for our democracy and... and bad for our democracy, and everyone's in unison, bad for our democracy. Right, <laughs> and, and you're like, <gasps> and they feature... everyone's saying the same line. They're all I being mean, fed they... the same thing. We're being fed the same thing. And they feature Channel Two News. They do that right now. Poor, poor. They do that right now. Well, to you, Josh's if, point, if you if over the last 
over the last year, if you have looked at um, the the media and you've looked at how they presented all the different things that are going on, one the the liberal media will state one thing, and they will present a narrative, and then every one of the channels will pick up and they will harp on that one narrative point. Well, that's and, and they use the same language. Watching. They use the same language, and what I was saying during our watch feed is, duh. <laughs> like that's that's literally how information travels. That's how we get memes. That's I mean, this is what people do. You know, they use the same language. You change the language, you control the people. And this is what we do in advertising and marketing and news and music and movies and so on and so forth. Certain phrases become part of the cultural zeitgeist. That doesn't mean that there's a conspiracy. It's the nature of language. And I just it's it's just really it's a it's clever just, bit of editing. I just well I think it's through the lens also. But like, I love they feature channel two news. It's I think what obviously what why it's so uh mind blowing or concerning in that documentary and the way it's presented is because the documentary is suggesting that there is an overt nefarious intention right. behind it. And right. I'm just saying though, that's... Though it's not new, like, like you're saying, and it's, it's, it's something that's used in this is how... The documentary points it out to to concern, right? Yeah. But what it's highlighting is not compelling evidence. What it's highlighting is just an interesting truth to social reality. That's how yeah. it works. Joseph Jesse points out, and I agree with him, um, that there are conservative news stations who use the same terminology. So... He brings up Sinclair, Sinclair Media Group. I don't know who Sinclair Media Group is because I don't really watch the news. I read articles. But um, in any case. Um, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> it was at that moment that I was like, I'm afraid he just lost his audience <laughs> or anyone that was already going into it. Of Oh, you had uh, okay. my interest at that point, but then you got my attention. <laughs> Curiosity and then you got my yeah, attention. Yeah, that's right. But it is an interesting documentary and the point sh should be well taken and the point of this episode predominantly should be well taken. Don't don't just be mindless and, and blind and, you know – non-critical when it comes to these kinds of things like oh there you go so the sinclair media group is the ones who own channel two. Oh, really yeah because hmm. they're they're featured in the documentary <laughs> which i thought was awesome i was stoked about it because we live in portland and you know it's always nice to get a shout out even if it's well, after, a negative one you know, after a while it just becomes mind-boggling with all this stuff you know there's just a point where, as far as I'm concerned personally, there's just a point where I become overloaded and I say, you know what? I just want to watch a mindless movie like a good Steven Seagal pick-butt movie. Well, let me ask you this question. So and maybe you're just being sloppy in the way you're wording it because uh, when I was a child, you would have railed against me if I said something like that. <laughs> so, But let me ask you this question. These are movies that you've already yes, seen? my work is done. Okay. These are movies that you've already seen? Well, you know, like a classic, like Under Siege or something? Steven Seagal isn't exactly oh, he selling still out makes, movie theaters. He still makes he's direct not exactly to video. in his freaking heyday. <laughs> he still makes direct to video um, movies all the time. Yeah, see, I'm with, I'm with Adam. I, I watch him in his heyday. Some of the newer stuff that he's Okay, done, so, so you're saying these are movies you've already seen? Yeah. So you're not yeah. mindless in watching it because you've already dissected you've the material. It. For the record, 
I don't know that there's a ton that you can dissect from a Steven yeah, Seagal no, movie, no, no. We, other than we, you, we, other than we shouldn't as Christians go around breaking people's elbows inside out and other joints and things like that. Well, <laughs> when you go back, let's... when you go back and you watch like a like a, a Steven Seagal movie, what you're really looking for is see now that you've seen it, you're really going back and you're looking for the finer points. <laughs> I, the finer points. Right, you're really savoring it for the flavor <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. With the sophisticated palate, now you're really dissecting the flavors. Which, yeah. Which, in all fairness, takes a little bit of work, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess so. Heidi brings up uh, the Pizzagate scandal that is brought up in that thing. Mm, that I found interesting. really interesting, and I, I'm, I would be interested to look into. I was it. also ignorant to some of the details of that. That's why I found it the most interesting. The Hollywood but... Land, mm, no. Yeah, the, Hollywood, the Tell A Visions and the Hollywood, which I think in the uh, live when we were streaming it, Pastor James of our church here, he's like Snopes that right away. The Holly Tree does not actually <laughs> originate from there. It's not native to there. That's a bunch of malarkey. But yeah. No, no, he was saying it wasn't named after that. Oh, gotcha. I it's was named, I yeah, was okay. saying that, or it could just be that there's lots of holly trees there. Oh, okay, yeah, great. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, interestingly enough, there's a new show. I just watched the first episode of it. Um, there's a new show by Ryan Murphy. Uh, so American Horror Story, so on and so forth. I was just reading um, about this yesterday. Called Hollywood. And it's on Netflix, and I watched the first episode yesterday. It was very, very underside of Hollywood. Um, but like I was the dark, the dark side of Hollywood. Well, it wouldn't be called dark anymore, mm. but it was the alternative side of Hollywood. This is like post World War II Hollywood or something. Yeah, like it's the, 50s the, or the 60s? heydays of Hollywood. Basically, yeah. it was basically right after talkies. Um, for those of you who don't know, apparently Adam doesn't. Uh, talkies was the distinction of um, talking in movies because you know everything was silent for the for the first you know, you know the Buster Keaton era, and uh, or Charlie Chaplin era if that helps. Um, but right, exactly. My my favorite era. Yeah, silent I mean, movies. Right, um, but it it was you know depict- organ grinder. <laughs> what if a Steven Seagal movie was a silent movie? It might be better. Um, <laughs> everything good about Under Siege, you don't have to have dialogue, dialogue to have. Although the sound of a broken bone really adds to it, huh, Pastor? The, that arm snapping in a way it shouldn't. Something to it. <laughs> wow. On Deadly Ground, you know, Steven Seagal directed. Joe wants us to know. There, there um, are definitely, there are definitely uh, lines in the movie which are truly great. So like anyway, I, says, this I'm prepared where, for. Like where he says, now this I'm trained for. Okay. Yeah. Um, and no, and no, and nobody beats me in my kitchen. You say, he says that pastor Monty says that because he was a Navy cook. Um, he's biased. Right. Uh, in any case, I was just going to say, if you want to get what seems to be an act- a pretty accurate picture of what the underside of Hollywood looked like, then you can sort of brave Ryan Murphy's depiction of Hollywood. Um, it, I, I'll warn you right now that it is heavily, heavily, um, we'll just call it sin-based. Mm. There's lots of nudity, and it's like LGBTQ, it all sorts of stuff. What's it stream on? It's Netflix. Oh. 
So it's interesting. Um, but apparently a lot of it's based on a true story about a gas station hmm. that um, would service people while servicing people. Um, uh, like Cole Porter shows up in it. Those of you who don't know, Cole Porter wrote like a bunch of our classic American standards, but he was also um, out, essentially, though not out. It was weird. Um, there's a movie about that called De Lovely that's de boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, well, everybody knew. But I mean, you know, back then you couldn't be out, but everybody knew that Cole Porter was gay. Well, and that's my point. That's my point is in Hollywood, people there was they created a whole dichotomy of society, and so this this kind of focuses on that sort of thing. It's 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 pretty interesting. I don't know if I'll keep watching it. It's only eight episodes long, but um, it is pretty interesting. Ryan Murphy's a hit or miss for me. Um, <laughs> so he's but he's just American Horror Story. I don't know. Does he do anything else? He does a lot of things, like Glee. Oh, okay. Um, he's actually kind of a prolific TV producer. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. So, but to bring us back to where we need to be, I don't know how much time we have left. Yeah, we should wrap up with probably this thought. But, oh, okay. Well, yes. I was going to say, to bring us back to where we need to be, um, speaking of Steven Seagal, <laughs> one of his later uh, theatrical releases, because everything now is direct-to-video, was the DMX. Oh. <laughs> just cradle to the grave i think it was cradle to the grave cradle to or the was grave. that jet lee because he was in another cradle to the grave i think because he was in another movie with a with jaw rule jaw rule which was the one with prison yeah and there's a helicopter that crashes, crashes into out into of the, the prison yeah and that's i mean escape. i think i don't watch them you know those are cool movies i'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding I, I love steven skull movies <laughs> Uh, well, we were going to segue. Exit wounds. There you go. Exit wounds? The... That's what Joe says. Exit ah, yeah. wounds. Exit wounds. And Heidi just wants to bring attention to the documentary uh, that we watched. Uh, just She wants to give a shout out to those eyebrows. Oh, yeah. The guy that... The, the, the Satanist guy, he has these just wicked eyebrows. They are wicked. They're in the shape of horns. Yeah. Because he's a Satanist and it's he maintains them. Because, you know, that's what the Bible says. The devil had wicked eyebrows. <laughs> All right. We anyway. should wrap it up. We were going to talk about the – wow, our dog. I don't know if you can hear them, hear him. Uh, we were going to talk about praying because it's come up. Uh, DMX has brought it up. He hosted like a, a live Instagram, I think it was. In ter- like he did a live Bible study on Instagram or something <laughs> like that, which – Joe Jesse just called – Exit Wounds, the second most entertaining movie ever, right behind Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Is that a slam on Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't, no. I don't get it. I can't imagine. He's joking about Exit Wounds. Oh. <laughs> I would have to assume, Joe. It is Joe. entertaining for the record to say it's not entertaining. <laughs> but Anyway. All right. Continue what you're saying. I don't know what I was saying. But there's been some backlash in terms of the the significance of prayer. Um and on one side, you have an unlikely source saying promoting prayer and, you know, uh, a leaning into God's will during an uncertain time and stuff like that um, from DMX, of all people. Uh, and then on the other side, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Elizabeth Hasselbeck was, you know, being public on her social medias and stuff, talking about the importance of prayer and, and stuff during this time. And then uh, Megan McCain was saying that she's disturbed by in reference to Elizabeth uh, Hasselbeck, 
she's disturbed by the rhetoric someone like her is using. I think specifically referring to the the call for people to be praying uh, and being in submission to God's will and leaning into his word and stuff. Um, so, I don't know. Why is McCain taking an issue? Isn't she conservative? Is she, is she conservative? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. She's the daughter of John McCain, is yeah. that right? Yes. Yeah, she's the daughter of John McCain. She's kind of a... She's an interesting character, though, because she, she, she uh, vacillates mm. between what would be considered liberal and what would be considered conservative, and she's kind of sometimes she's kind of all over the board. So I don't know if she's I don't know if it's a syncretic issue where she's like kind of picks and chooses, but what I will say is um, I really dislike the. Uh, holiday homeless model, the holiday homeless model for our faith mm. where people feel like they're doing a good work because, you know, things are terrible right now. And so we're going to go out and feed the, the poor. And I've done that during my holidays. You know, I did that on, on Christmas. And so, yeah, I've got, I, 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 you know, I do good work and I really dislike that model of coming to God specifically only in times of um, trial trial yeah that being said why would we ever not want people to come to god during times of trial like it's just how do you, the question to me is not about getting people to do that the question to me is about how do you make that last so it becomes um a part of your normal routine and not just something that you use him for when you're having issues in your life. Yeah. The fire so, insurance. I don't know what DMX was saying. I didn't get a chance to read the article, but um, that's the only critique I, I would have on that. Yeah. Of course people should be praying more. They just don't pray enough in their, in their normal everyday life. God is not, God isn't just somebody who wears the hat of, um, savior you know in scripture he presents himself as wearing the hat of father and husband and friend and um provider and um you know all of these various things he should be talked to on all of those levels not just when you're having issues dmx was hosting a bible study <clears throat> on ecclesiastes what? chapter three and four um, what <laughs> that's what i said that's the top he was hosting an Instagram Bible study. Okay. Uh, I know. It's really random <laughs> from, a, from a source in a sphere of influence that you wouldn't have guessed. But he was saying – I wonder yeah. him Kanye can uh... – He said there's a time for – or he was saying your, your God is giving you the time to get closer to him sort of the counter to the whole binge thing. Agree. Um, use yeah. this time in a productive way. See, now to, that. <laughs> to explore your relationship with God. definitely and, <laughs> the right way to look at it. And then he was saying, like, uh, lean into him and, and pray and, and, and seek his will in all things. He was encouraging people. There was, like, I guess, 14,000 people watching his live Bible study. Did so. he get pushback on that? From the article I pulled from, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> Anytime you put yourself out there, you're you're getting pushback from someone, right? Um, but anyway, significant pushback or whatever. Uh, to a degree, yes. But my it, my take on it is a couple. Of, first of all, the I'm laughing the, at Joseph uh, Jesse's comment. This this goes back to the issue that, regardless of whether people want to admit it or not, and we see more people doing so, everybody. Uh, deals with uh, the aspect of, of spirituality. And at one point, uh, and so we just have more people being more vocal in the time frame that we're in. 
So that doesn't surprise me. What, but my caution would be that if you go into First and Second Thessalonians, one of the things it talks about is in the end times there's going to be the development of uh, a false spirituality, and and I see that beginning to be generated as well, where you have national figures, not only not only uh, in the entertainment field, but politically as well. You have nat- national figures that are presenting a, uh, a false or fake spirituality. And there are a lot of people that fall for that. So we need to be careful uh, when we see this type of thing happening. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think that what we're looking at right now is the possibility for revival. Um, I think there's always going to be false prophets, but it's going to be their fruit that that shows that people who are calling people to well, get into their scripture and to pray, especially especially during this time, a time of trial. I mean, I, I that seems like a call of admonishment. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, admonish is to direct yeah, somebody a, where they've done something wrong. There's an interesting. There's an interesting commercial that's got, that's on on the cable networks where they're talking about uh, the David Wilkerson organization is promoting a book um, and promoting the idea that there will be a great spiritual revival after uh, the events that we're seeing now, sure. which, which the underlying message is that in his works, David Wilkerson predicted that at some point we would have this type of a devastating virus or event in New York. And then subsequently there would be a revival. Well, it's sort of, of, sort of, it wasn't in his works. It was a letter that was found, um, that was looked at and it was pretty general speaking. It did, it did talk of the epicenter being New York. Oh yeah. But, um, it's, it's a, it's like a Nostradamus type thing. Well, no, Nostradamus was was actually not very uh, specific in the things that he said. David Wilkerson, like you know, there's some real fruit that came out of of what he said, and he was, you know, the, his fruit. I think for the most part speaks for itself. Um, but you know, he's long he's long gone. So oh yeah. So this was something that was said a long time ago, and you know, it is what it is. Um, I think the I, I I think the call for revival doesn't come from David Wilkerson though, and the call the call for revival and seeing the possibility of revival in this has been something that preachers have been saying from the moment that this thing hit. Well, preachers have been praying for since before this thing hit, and from the moment that it has hit, I think what we have seen is a push toward a revival in America. I do, I think that that's true. Well, I think that, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see, see it, but I think, and I was, as I was reading the, the DMX article about how he hosted this thing with 14,000 people, which in the context of 350 million people in our country is not big, but it's, it's, it's ABF big. 
<laughs> I think I think we would be so lucky to reach fourteen thousand people. <laughs> right. <laughs> just being honest, but it would be so burdened to reach fourteen thousand <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, no joke. But one of my thoughts was like, oh wow, cool. He had fourteen thousand people on his Instagram Bible study thing. That's crazy. I feel like we have a big Bible study on Friday nights when there's twenty people and I'm overwhelmed. But yeah. So in terms of the revival thing, what I was thinking was that's cool, but then what? And he's calling people to this, but then what? Like, and it reminds me of like what we're doing here in terms of speak to the ground. Like, it's not enough to just say these things and, you know, convince people to consider this and, you know, explore your relationship with God because it is there whether you like it or not. But then what? Like, and people shouldn't be staying like spiritual babies. Um, so a, a great revival is cool, but only to the extent that it actually <laughs> means something. And well, it just... so, yeah. So let's let's speak to that. Let's speak to that just to be really clear about our intent in this show. Um, here's the deal. The, the, um, it's called the cultural mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. It's found in Genesis. This is what we're supposed to do. And it's not talking about having sex. Although that's, that's, that's a part of it. Um, well, actually, procreation is a part of it. But procreation extends beyond just the sexual act and generation of other human beings. But it extends to... Um, culture and who we are as people, right? This is who God created us to be that's found in the book of Genesis, right? And then we have the spreading of the gospel, sort of a re-upping and redefinition of the cultural mandate in what we call the Great Commission in Scripture. Go out and make disciples of all men, teaching them basically who I am and baptizing them and so on and so forth, right? So this is what is given to us as Christians. And I think a lot of Christians don't really understand that there is to be a procreation in their development as people. So when Adam throws out this uh, quick terminology, speak to their ground, that's something that we in ABF, and here in Portland, Oregon, our church, Lathia Bible Fellowship, that's something that we um, have as part of our practice, is that we speak about who God is, and then we tether people to three specific things, the local body, uh, sound doctrine, and... Uh, the truth of scripture, and then we ground them to that so that they can then grow out from that and accomplish the Great Commission and the cultural mandate. And this is what we want for you to do. So if you are a person who holds a belief in God, and you're a person who, um, yeah, if you're a person who holds a belief in God, but you are not uh, creating, you're not creating, you're not going out and making disciples, you're not going out and having dominion over the earth, you know, and being fruitful. Um, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's, an, it's not enough that you have a spiritual awakening or whatever. What good is it if you are no longer sleeping and your eyes are open, but you lay in bed all day until it becomes dark again and you fall back asleep? Mm. That's ridiculous. It's not sound. It's not wise. In fact, at that point, it becomes wasteful. It's negative to you. Eventually, you develop bed sores and you become fat and your body begins to degrade and you have to have a nurse come and turn you over and you know Thanks feed you painting the picture. feed you intravenously or whatever it's that's ridiculous go out and live your life and create because that's who god made you to be and you can't do that unless you're grounded in doctrine so that is the discussion of god in every day and what what he means to everyday life in 
the local body so that you can practice the doctrine that you have. So be with other Christians who are serious about learning who God is. You don't have to be with us. Be with other Christians who are serious about learning who God is and who take him seriously and take that that process seriously. Tether yourself to it so that you can't, you know, be separated from it. And then ground yourself, root yourself into the ground of those things of scripture where you learn about how you should be, of doctrine where you discuss how you should be, and the local body where you live out how you should be. And when you do that, you will explode in terms of your productivity and life and your behavior. It will become righteous before God and your outlook will become joyful. And if you're having issues where you are having issues of... Um, where you feel that you need to disassociate and binge watch, for instance, in order to get through your day. You can't interact with your family. You're secretly depressed and now you can't hide it because everybody sees you all the time, <laughs> you know, because your family is like locked in a room with you. You have a terrible relationship with your wife and kids because you've been so busy making money that you haven't, you know, and providing that you haven't taken the time to really know who they are. You want to fix that? This is how you fix that. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm off of it. See you next Saturday, guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was going to I was going to bring it back to yeah. Ha- have your life have meaning, don't just binge watch for the sake of binge watching. Like be productive and all the things we were talking about earlier. Like be creative. Like now's a time to figure out how you can be for God. And and let me let me just tell you something. This isn't this isn't a show to us. This is ministry, right? So we have a channel that you can reach out to us. A lot of you know us. Some of, of you don't. Apparently, we have a decent following in Nigeria. Um, you know, we <laughs> reach out to us. We we are not we are not a we're we're not just a channel where we're putting on a show for our own sake. We were doing this before COVID, and we'll be doing it after. Maybe not every week, but we'll be doing it after. Reach out to us because we want to help you with that. We want to get you grounded in a local church body that has sound doctrine, that has uh, a right understanding of the word of God. Don't let that admonishment just fall on your ears, you know, and make you guilty. Yeah, feel bad about yourself. Do something. (laughs) Yeah. All right. In all seriousness, thank you guys. Thanks for being uh, here in episode 11, uh, and we'll see you next Saturday. Adios. See ya. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.